Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Well, go ahead and grab your seats. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn to the book of Matthew. If you don't have a Bible with you, totally okay. We always tell people every week, make sure you download this thing called the Version Bible app. All the regulars are like, we know. It's like, I know, I'm gonna keep talking about it. It's okay. We are, one thing I wanna, on a day like today, like I mentioned before, we, we recognize that we have lots of guests that are with us today, and we're so glad that you're here. We, we welcome you again, and, and we wanna let you know, if you haven't figured it out by now, uh, that this is a place where it's, uh, it's, not, it's not quiet. This is, not a, this is not a quiet church. It's okay to, to make some noise. It's okay to, uh, as I'm talking, to talk back, say amen, say preach that, say mm-hmm. Uh, it's been known for people to stand up and point at me. Totally acceptable. It's absolutely, absolutely okay. If you weren't here before, my name's Craig, and my wife and I are the lead pastors here at Convo Church. And uh, we love the Bible. We love it. And uh, we don't love it because we feel like it's a book of rules and regulations to tell you what you can and can't do. We love it because we know that it is the living word of God that has been given to us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to fill our lives with hope and with love and with faith and so that we can embrace and experience the grace that God has for all humanity. And so we, we go every week at Convo Church, we open up the word of God, we go to it, and we, uh, none of us, including myself or anybody else, thinks that we have arrived at a certain point where we no longer need the instructions of the Lord. Uh, we're all human beings, we're all imperfect. This is not a church for perfect people. I messed that up the moment that I walked through the front doors. And, uh, and, and just for the record, so did you. Anyway, okay. Um, but we're gonna go to Matthew chapter one. We'll have it on the screen behind me as well. And last week we talked about this whole concept of Jesus coming as the king of kings. And, you know, maybe in America we have a hard time really wrapping our minds around that because, you know, we don't exist uh, in, in a governmental system that has kings. And so I don't know about you, but in my experience, maybe I've been guilty of this. I've, in my life there have been moments where I've treated Jesus more like he was a politician than, than a king. And if I didn't like what he had to say to me, then I wanted to get him out of the way. And if, if, he, if he stepped on my toes a little bit, then I wanted to go in a different direction. But the real, the, the real idea here is that Jesus is king and deserves our relationship. He deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. And he doesn't come after us like kings of the earth do. He comes after us with humility and with love and with grace. And that's the King Jesus that we're talking about today. But let me read this to you. You can follow along as well. And many of you have heard this because it's very, it's kind of the heart behind the whole Christmas thing. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Try to try explain that one to your mother. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break off the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, uh, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Somebody say amen to that. That's great. And it says, and all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And the prophet said, look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, 
which means God with us. Interesting, that prophetic word comes from the book of Isaiah, which happened 700 years prior to the events actually taking place. But I believe today um, you're not here by mistake. I don't believe any of us are here just because we're fulfilling um, a religious duty or a tradition. Um, God brought you here, and he loves you so much. And, and, I'm, and I'm praying and believing with all my heart that in the few moments that we have today that God is desiring to show that. So can I pray for you real quick as we dive into this thing? Father, open up our hearts. Open up our minds. Father, I pray that any, any walls that may be up in us right now, whether we put them up or whether uh, other circumstances have placed them up, Lord, that by your love and your mercy and your grace that you would help bring those walls down, Father, so that we today can be receptive to who you are, Father. God, we know that you're not here today to bring religion to us. You're here to bring relationship. And that's what we desire too. In Jesus' mighty name, can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. Hey, isn't it refreshing to know you're not alone? I looked up this thing, like the, the phobia. It's called monophobia, which that makes sense, mono being, you know, single, alone, uh, one. And, uh, and so, it, but it's good to know that you're not alone. And I'm not, I'm not talking about those of you that are, you know, the introverts, that your, your favorite happy place ever is in your bed with the blanket and Netflix. I mean, that's not who I'm talking to about that. All the Enneagram, four, five, and nine, you know who you are. Um, I'm talking about just the, the ability in life to know that the things that you have to deal with and go through, you don't have to do it alone. It's good to, it's good to be able to do life with other people. And so, and, uh, and you know, my wife and I, for example, like she, she will all, hey, do you want to go uh, to Costco with me to the grocery store? And there's been one or two moments where in my own insanity and stupidity, I've asked the question, why? She's like, well, because it's better when you're with me. I'm like, of course it is. Of course it is. No, that's, that's a true story. That happens a lot. But the reality is, like, in our own life, there's a lot that we do together that I've observed that other married couples don't consistently do together, whether it's going and dropping the kids off. It's like one of us can do it, but we tend to go together. Or going to pick them back up, the parental taxi service. Some of you all know about that. Uh, you know, whatever it may be, we like to be together because it is. It is better to do life together and to know that you are not alone. Now, and I want to tell you, that, that's, that's the whole Jesus thing. That's the whole Jesus thing is, is not so that you can uh, observe a religion. It's not so that you can be listed a piece of paper that has all the rules of what you no longer are allowed to do because you're religious. That's not the Jesus thing. The Jesus thing is God saying, I desire to be with my creation. I desire to have a relationship with those that I created. And so Jesus came into this scene in, in our understanding at that time and became not just God above us, not just God who created us, not just God who is observing us, but God who is with us, Emmanuel. Why is life better uh, when you're with somebody? Let me, let me be more specific and just kind of keep it on the Jesus front. Life is better with Jesus because, honestly, it does become easier. It doesn't mean the circumstances necessarily become easier. But walking, walking through those circumstances becomes easier when you know that you no longer have to just rely on yourself, on your own strength, on your own mental health, on your own stability, trying to figure out whether I woke up today on the right side of the bed or not. You know, you, you, don't, have to, you don't have to stress about that quite as much. Sometimes I think in the, in the, well, not just in the church world, but, you know, this time of year, Christmas, baby Jesus, eight pounds, six ounces, no facial hair yet that we know of. 
But we think, yeah, this is when Jesus came on the scene, you know, because he came as a baby. But the reality is, is that the, the birth of Christ was not the beginning of Christ. It was just his beginning with us. He's always been there. Let me, let me show you a couple of things. And this is, this is when we like to kind of break open the Bible because we don't just want to stand up here and talk about ideas and just assume that you're going to believe everything we say. This is where we get what we believe and stand for. In the New Testament, in the book of Colossians, uh, a letter that was written to the early church in Colossae, chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, it says this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed, listen, before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Jesus didn't just show up on Christmas Day. And again, in John, the book of John, chapter 1 in the New Testament, the Gospel of John, this is some very famous verses that get used a lot. It says that in the beginning, the Word, and when it says Word here, it's talking about Jesus and, and the role that he plays. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and I love this line, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Jesus has always been there, and he will always be there. Here's a couple of more. Is this enough Bible for you today? Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That means he was there, he's right here, and wherever you're going, he's going to be there too. He's not here to leave you alone. He's not here for you to have a life that is empty of relationship. And I know that there are things that we can't necessarily control in the world around us. We can't always control the drama in our families. We can't, yeah, we can't, I, got, I, heard, some, I heard some grumblings when I said that. I was like, whoa, okay. We can't always control the things in our friendships from time to time. We don't know who's going to be there and who's not, who's going to be faithful and who's going to be unfaithful. We don't know who's going to accept us and who's going to reject us. But the one thing that we can stand on with full assurance and full certainty is that the God who created you and loves you and you were created in his image, his DNA is inside of you, will never leave you, will never forsake you, will never turn his back on you. How do I know that? Because if he was going to do it, he would have already done it. Why? Because you and me have given God more than ample opportunity to say, forget that. Are you, kid are you kidding me? Again? Again? And, yep. No, it's the love and the grace of God that continually positions him towards you in a desire to have relationship and to lead you into a place that fulfills what he created you to be. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the challenges and the trials that are ahead of you. Jesus didn't come here to start something as a baby. He came here to finish something. He's never wanted distance with us. That's why he is God with us. And you know why it's important for, to know that God is with us? Because a God who is with us is a God who can identify with us. A God who is with us is a God who can understand us. 
a God who can empathize with the things that we go through. He's a God that because he is with us, he can show us the way out. Because he's with us, he can be a God that provides for us when everything else has dried up. He can be the God who heals, with, heals us when all the other answers aren't coming up. Ultimately, he's a God that can save us. Because check this out, only a God who is with us can be the God to save us. Only the God who is with us can be the God to save us. The name Jesus literally means the Lord saves. It's in the meaning of his name. It's in the, the, the DNA, the identity of who Christ is. It's why he came. He didn't come to establish religion. Luke 19.10 tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. And that's not just talking about people that aren't saved or don't know Christ. I know plenty of people, and I've been there myself, where I know I'm saved. I know God loves me. I know when this is all over, I know where I'm going. But there are still things in my life where I feel lost. God said, I didn't leave you when I saved you. That's actually the moment that I started walking with you. Because God's not looking to just save you for eternity. He's looking to save you so you can live called in this life. <clears throat> Emmanuel, God with us. This is who Jesus is, y'all. And I want you to understand, it's not, the, it's not the humanity of Jesus that saves us. It's his humanity that allows him to understand and to empathize with us. But it is his divinity, his 100% godness that gives him the ability to overcome the things that you and I face, many of us, on a daily basis whether it's the drama that we deal with in broken families or consequences that maybe we're still dealing with for decisions that we made in months or years past or, you know, just things not working out. We're trying hard. We're spinning our wheels in the mud and nothing seems to be changing. God can identify with us. And I know it's easy to kind of be like, well, how in the world? You know, God's not me. He doesn't, he doesn't know me. <laughs> I've been there. How, how can you say that he can identify with all the things that I've gone through? So I made a list. Is that Okay. How many of y'all are list people? Going to be exhaustive, and I'm not going to go into detail on each one. But listen, I just kind of perused through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I came up with 27 little things that I think will help us to understand that Jesus can absolutely identify with every single one of us and every human being that was, it is, and that will ever live. Check this out. Here's, these are just 27, okay? We're gonna, it'll be up there. If you're taking notes, great, but you won't wanna write this down. You might wanna take pictures if you're note-taking because we're not gonna spend that much time on it. But he was born, number one, he was born into a socially controversial situation. Anybody else? A blended family, a broken family. Imagine, oh, you guys are engaged. Oh, we've got a shotgun wedding coming up. Okay, no, that's not what this is. Oh, what happened? Well, you see, what happened was the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's great. Yeah. That's working out great. Socially controversial. Number two, he was born homeless, and he lived many of the, the, homeless, the years of his adult ministry as a homeless individual. Have you ever thought about that? Somebody came up to him and said, Jesus, I want to follow you. And he's like, hey, uh, animals have places to lay their head. I don't. Like, he, you mean he, he was a king? He wasn't living, you know, anyway. Number three, Jesus was tempted to compromise his identity. Anybody? He was tempted to compromise his faith. Yeah, but he was God. No, he was tempted. Yes, he's God, but he was tempted. He was tempted to compromise his calling. His calling was to go to the cross and so that he could take our sin and sickness and, and rise from the dead. And here's the thing, the night before or the night that he was arrested, what is he praying? God, if it's possible, Father, can we do something else? Is there another way? Can you take this cup of suffering away from me? There was a temptation there to go around what God was trying to accomplish. 
Number six, he faced constant criticism. Anybody? He was constantly doubted by people. He faced constant discrimination, both racially and religiously. He experienced tragic loss in his life, losing some of his closest friends. John the Baptist, who was not just a friend and a companion, but a close family member. He experienced the grief of loss. He was constantly being falsely accused. He was rejected by family and friends in his hometown. He constantly faced impossible situations, having to people coming to him, hey, I need a miracle. I need to feed 5,000. I need to feed the 4,000. What do we got? We got a couple of ham sandwiches. I'm going to have to do something about it. He was constantly in difficult circumstances. His, uh, he was, where am I? He was troubled by his calling and his purpose. He was constantly faced with fickle people. One day they love him, the next day they're yelling to crucify him. Number 15, he, he, his authority was questioned. He was plotted against. He was betrayed by one of his own closest followers. He was abandoned ultimately by almost all of his friends. He's heartbroken. He was lied to, arrested, wrongfully accused, illegally convicted, physically mistreated and abused, brutally beaten, mocked, made fun of, scorned, rejected, had every human sin and sickness and disease placed on him on the cross. And then lastly, ultimately murdered as an innocent man. So you still don't think Jesus can relate to you? You still don't think that God with us, Emmanuel, that he's capable of saving you because he's already conquered the things that are trying to conquer you? You don't think that he can, he's, he's worthy of being your king? He's worthy of someone for you to follow and give your life to? That he's worthy of being your Lord, your Messiah? Jesus didn't come as king to demand the things that he could demand. He came to serve. He came humbly as a homeless baby. He can identify with the plight of humanity. He can empathize with the brokenness and the tragedy that you have experienced. And he can show you the way out. That's God with us. That's Emmanuel. He conquered absolutely every obstacle, and he now desires to be the savior of your life. He wants to fill your life with faith, with purpose, with hope, with grace, with mercy. He wants to give you all the things that you don't deserve, and he wants to hold back all the things that we do deserve. God is amazing. He is great. From the very beginning, he knew everything that he would have to face, and he said yes to the assignment. Remember, Jesus didn't show up on the scene when he was just a baby. He was a part of this plan. He was a part of the mastermind plan of redeeming all humanity back into relationship with the God that created him. He was in agreement, and he walked it through. And I think a valid question to ask is, why in the world would he do all of this? Why would God go through such, such extreme lengths? Why would he subject himself to all the things that he subjected himself to? Could, I mean, he's God. Couldn't he just show up and be like, boom, sickness, gone. All right, no more worrying about that. All right, ready? Boom, no more broken relationships. Fixed it, snapped my fingers. You saw that. He could have just said, okay, uh, boom, no more hatred. No more, no more war, bun, I got, I got taken care of, done. 
All the things of brokenness within our world, all gone. No, he didn't do that because that's not him knowing your plight. That's not him understanding your life. That's him just coming in without an understanding and putting a blanket fix over everything. And I know sometimes we, we think that would be the better option, but the reality is, is that for those of you that are on the other side of that hurt, for those of you that are already on the other side of that brokenness, yeah, that wasn't fun, but you know what it has produced in your life in a good way. And you know that even though there may be loved ones you want back or jobs that you wish you had back or seasons of life, you are over here and you can see now because you're, you're looking back. You're not stuck on the past, but you look back and you're like, hey, God, I'm so sorry that when I was in that, I accused you of not being with me. But now that I'm past it and I look back, I can see that you were with me the whole time. God, I'm so grateful that, that, that I'm not, I know I'm not where I want to be and I'm not exactly where you want me to be all the way. I'm still a work in progress, but I sure as heck am not where I used to be. And I don't know how I got here, God, if it's not just for the grace and the love that you have for me. So why? Because God loves you. You need to know that today. Don't let Christmas pass you by without realizing that God loves you so much. Got one final verse that I want to read to you and then I want to pray for you. Comes from 1 John chapter 4. This is kind of towards the end of the New Testament. Chapter 4, verses 9 through 14. And I just want you to listen to these words, if you will. And then I'm going to pray. And we'll get, we'll get somebody up on the keys. It says that God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world. So that we might have eternal life through him. Check this out, because we, we, here's the deal. We, don't we, we live in a world that I think we've lost understanding of what love really is. We've redefined it so many times, it's completely lost its meaning. We've taken a word that was meant to connect us to our creator, and we've watered it down to be something that is just used to justify our own selfish actions. Verse 10, it says, this is real love, in case we need to hit the reset button. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You're like, man, oh, I've sinned. I'm a good person, man. I, I treat people nice. I, I work hard. I do good things. Listen, the, the presence of sin in our life isn't the product of whether you chose to be a good person or not. The Bible tells you, all of us, those who are in Christ and those that aren't, those who think they've got it figured out and those that know they don't have it figured out. The Bible tells us that every single one of us is on the exact same playing field. It says that we have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the standard of God. Well, that's not fair. I don't know, maybe, but here's what's not fair. Is that a God that, that could easily justify, just say, well, you screwed up, so boom, you're, you're done. It says, man, I, I love you so much, I don't want you to experience what you will experience if you face the consequences of your sin. You know what, I wanna take it for you. This is what real love is. Not that we love God, but that God, that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. It says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And again, this isn't this love that's like, well, yeah, you know, I'll be nice to you. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be tolerant of people. I don't know, if someone came up to me and said, I'm, I'm gonna 
tolerate you. I'm like, well, thanks, thanks a lot. Is that the deepest expression of your love? Felt that so much. <laughs> I love this talking about here. It's the, the, the original word, because this New Testament, most of it was written in Greek, the Greek language. And they use this word agape. Agape is a word that means pure, selfless love. It's love that is expecting absolutely nothing in return. Jesus would have still done everything he did if no one would have ever responded to him in faith. Because he didn't go to the cross because of what he would get out of it. He went to the cross for what it would open up to humanity. And then in verse 15, it says, And God has given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, as proof that we live in him and he is in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Emmanuel, God with us. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.